0: You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. How you doing? I got a very special interview for you today, this afternoon. I have a student of mine, somebody in the course, somebody who's read the book, and he reached out and said, you know what, Zuber, I want to ask you some questions. So let's welcome Emil to the show. How are you doing, man? Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So Emil, do a quick favor, introduce yourself to the audience, uh, you know, where you're at in the country, what do you do from a, a real estate perspective, and then we will uh, turn it over to you because you have some questions for me. So I'd love to answer them.
1: Absolutely. Um, so my name is Emil Shore. I live in Los Angeles. Uh, like most people, I live in a market that, like you, very mm-hmm. cost prohibitive for me to invest. So I think back in 2017, I started looking uh, around the country and decided to invest remotely, which was a big leap of faith. And my, my dad's actually a real estate investor and he invests here in LA and he thinks I'm crazy. Ah. He thought I was crazy at the time, still thinks I'm crazy, but, uh, luckily we haven't had the, the massive nightmare yet. So I think, I think things have been okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so invested in a couple different areas across the country now really honed in on St. Louis, uh, and I'm up to six units currently.
0: Nice. Six single-family homes?
1: There are three single-family, and then we just closed on a triplex last week.
0: Oh, very nice. In St. Louis?
1: In St. Louis, yeah.
0: Very, very cool. So uh, you know what? I will let you ask questions first, and maybe I'll poke you at the end and and ask you some questions about that deal. But, Emil, uh, feel free to ask anything you want uh, from the course, the book, anything you want in real estate. Let's go.
1: Absolutely. And just want to mention, I, I bought your course a couple months ago. I... Had already bought a couple properties, but I'm always of the mindset of if I can take one thing from it, it will massively outpay for you know the two hundred dollars. Like yeah. you, you, you have one thing that you can take away from this. Investing is a long career; like it will massively pay itself back. So, yeah. um, you know, I'd already bought a couple properties, but I, I learned something and and had a good takeaway. So nice. Uh, recommend it for anyone else. Who's like, you know, it, it, you buy a couple properties and you're like, Oh, I got this. I'm so <laughs> smart. And it, you have no idea. You, it, once you start feeling that way, you should go back to zero and say, I know nothing and start, start. Learning oh,
0: again. that is a little tidbit. I want to say again, you're so right. I saw people get cocky in 07, 08, And let's just say they're not in real estate anymore. Real estate. Anytime you get a little swagger, a little cocky, uh, it'll, it'll teach you a lesson. Uh, I agree with that. So um, that's awesome, and uh, I like the fact that uh, you know you took something away. And and for me, I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to evolve what one rental at a time for me. So let me just share this, and I'll get to your questions. For me, I think it's simplicity, right? It's simple. I don't want to. I mean, the, the spreadsheet that I use and I teach on is probably the simplest spreadsheet you've seen. It's probably 13 or 14. Uh, the variable that's for me is yield, right? What produces the highest return on my cash? But the biggest one for me, and I think what makes me different is I want daily execution. But I'm not talking hours, I'm talking 10 or 20 minutes. Quick search, in, out, document. And then, oh, by the way, when you're doing that, you can always go back and compare. Uh, and it really helps, you know, when you've done it for 30, 45 days, you can go back and say, hey, let me get that property from the seventh or the ninth. And and better yet, when you want to talk to your wife in your case or someone else's partner, they really see that what you've been doing, and you can really rate what's the best, what's the worst, and all of that. So that's what I'm trying to do. Did that come across?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was the biggest thing. Like, I think everyone uses a calculator, right? And I don't remember a property I analyzed two weeks ago. I can't remember, like, in this pocket of this neighborhood, what were other properties selling for, being listed, and all those things. So to just have this repository and history of all these properties that you've analyzed. Nice. Immensely valuable. Immensely valuable.
0: Love it. All right, cool. I'm sorry. I digress. Go ahead. Your turn. Sorry. I took over. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Good question.
1: All right. So, um, you know, I'm at six, which is very, very small. I know some people will look at six and be like, wow, that's, you know, if you're at zero, obviously six looks like a lot. I, I'm looking at like, you know, you're like yourself, a hundred plus. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious at what point in the journey do you think you, you and your wife could have retired? Was it at 175 or could you guys have probably retired much earlier than that?
0: Uh, it all It all depends on what is your monthly nut, your freedom number, whatever you want to call that, right? Yeah. Uh, as you know, um, we live in the Silicon Valley, really expensive. Uh, probably most importantly though, we didn't start our journey until after we had a child. She, Teresa was probably seven or eight when we started. So where I'm trying to go there is our monthly expenses were pretty high, right? Uh, I spend a lot of time now telling people, hey, if you if you want to be retired, you know, if, if you're 20, like tomorrow I'm talking to a high school senior class, right? and I'm going to ask them, I'm going to ask them, how many of you can live on two grand a month? And they always say, no problem, right? Two grand a month, oh my God, I'm rich and all of that. Yeah. But the point is, is if you really can live on two grand a month, you're four or five years from financial freedom. I don't care where you are in the country. Um, but where I'm going with that is my wife and I's, you know, we were spending 15 grand a month, probably maybe 17. We both had six figure incomes, So, you know, yeah, we looked good when we filed taxes, but we had nothing saved. So we had to end up ratcheting our expenses down, which took time. So we probably could have retired. You know, the journey, the book talks about 15 years. In fairness, Olivia retired at year 10. I probably could have retired at year 12 but 13 would have been better. So year 13 would have been probably the year I could have retired. Both both of us could have been done. Got
1: it. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I watch your channel a lot and I know you mentioned that I feel like you're, you're very good at identifying a need versus a want. So I'm sure yeah. you're, you know, you guys, your expenses were in line. So I was just curious, like I, yeah. I figured it out, but I'm just curious, like, you know, 175 is
0: that's a, that's a big number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've actually never looked at it. Like, cause again, right. We started houses, then we went apartments, then we went back to houses, then back to apartments. Cause we, again, the spreadsheet tells me what to buy. Right. I'm not, I'm not the single family guy. I'm not the multifamily guy. I'm, I'm the best deal guy. So, right. um, I'm not picky. So, you know, I, I think if I were to do just houses, it probably would have taken 60 houses. But again, remember I buy in California. I live in California. It's not Midwest cash flow. Um, and we, we'd already, we already set up our lives, right? We only owned our condo. We already had our cars. We already had lots of expenses, um, that we had to keep whacking to, to lower them. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it was a bigger number than it should have been for sure.
1: That's helpful. So, um, that kind of segues into the next thing I wanted to ask you if, you know, a lot of people I'm sure on your channel, like Interested in investing out of state. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting about your story is because because you guys have you invest in California, you have these giant swings where mm-hmm. the, a home will double triple in a couple years. Oh, yeah. And then you guys smartly moved it into something that just yielded better. Mm-hmm. What do you I don't know if you if have asked you, but like, what do you recommend when people, you know, you invest in a Midwest cash flow place where that's not going to happen? Like if you were in that situation, do you know how you might have approached it differently?
0: Well, see, that's a great question. And and I actually take this question differently. A lot of people poke at me and say, why do you invest in California? It's tenant friendly. And I'm like, well, okay, let's take the other state that's not tenant friendly. And most of the time we talk about Texas, right? Right. Because again, you can get somebody out in Texas in like 12 days. In California, the best is like 75 days. And today it's like 90 days. And then I say, okay, I could have gone there, I actually flew there. I spent a lot of time in San Antonio. San Antonio was the market we almost invest in. We actually wrote offers on like six fourplexes. It was like a full cul-de-sac we were about to buy, um, but backed out at the, uh, you know, doing due diligence. Uh, but the idea was there's often more to the story. And what we found out with Texas is yeah, the cash flow would have been great in the beginning. And I've had plenty of my students talk about Texas, but what, what you often miss is the it misses the other side of the story. In Texas, the bug, bugaboo is property taxes get reset every year. So mm-hmm. I've had multiple students and, and multiple investors I've known for a while talk about their properties becoming alligators because the property taxes have gone up every year for a decade. And what was cash flow 3400 is now negative negative. and that's a killer. I would still be working if I would have taken all eight of my houses, 1031 into these fourplex in San Antonio, I would have been probably 20 grand cash flow positive when that happened. And then slowly over time, whack, 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 whack. I'd probably still be positive today because we would have bought them right, but it would have been 10 grand. It would have been half. Um, so where I go with that back to is, yes, wh- what does that mean about California? For me, it's about tenant selection. I need to be highly, highly picky because that's my last chance to avoid a problem. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about 2020, it's been a rough year for a lot of investors, but it's not been my worst year. 2008 was my worst year because I was seeing qualified tenants move into houses for less than I would require first month in deposit. I mean, that's how nutty lending got. And that's why we had such a problem. But 2020, my rent collections have dipped slightly I have two people now playing what I call games, uh, but it's because I am so religious on tenant selection. So if you're in California, it is tenant friendly. Well, you, Mr. Mrs. Stupid landlord, your job is to be hyper, hyper picky because that is your legal opportunity to say no. If you let just anybody in or you let a question mark in, you get what you get. So I remind people that, hey, if I am can pick good tenants 98% of the time, I'm going to be okay in California because I get the other side, because I avoid the evictions, which are horrible, mm-hmm. but you do that with tenants and then you get the appreciation. And I call it dancing through raindrops. If you can be in a market that's like a roller coaster and you have the indicators to say, Hey, close to a top, Hey, at a bottom, Hey, close to the top, man, I, I, you know, we got an impressive net worth and it's all because we got out at the top and in at the bottom and out at the top and in at the bottom. So I I love California for that.
1: Yeah. uh, That's very real for me. I'm going to, I'm going to hold this up. This is a, uh, a letter I just got from my bank notifying me that my, I I impound all my property tax and insurance. They just notified me. I'm, I'm under where I need to be because (laughs) my property taxes went up on a property in Indianapolis. So unbeknownst to me, a, a, out of state investor being a ding dong and yeah. just like not doing full, full homework. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I think Indianapolis, they reassess every other year or something like that. And, yeah. so,
0: and most same. investors miss that. Don't, so don't, don't learn from it. Don't, the problem is in, with real estate with much in life is the first mistake is okay. You live, learn, you improve, but dude, you make that mistake again. That's on you. <laughs> That's right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it I could have done nothing and that yeah. would have been way worse, right? Yeah. Of so, course. Uh I guess blind optimism or stubbornness to just get it done.
0: So yeah, no, it's good. I I'm I'm happy for you. I mean, getting to six is is no small feat. I mean, I meant to interrupt you on that part. Uh, I think you should celebrate that. I mean, I I talk to thousands of people a week on my channel, and and I would guess one percent of them have more than six properties. So Yes, you don't have 175, but dude, don't don't minimize six. Six is no joke.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough when you're you're looking at you know the the people on the other other side of it who have retired and all that uh, to not kind of compare yourself. But you're right; it's good to kind of celebrate the stuff along the way. Ah,
0: uh, yeah, dude. I I mean stop that you you You're,
1: probably did the same
0: though right? i did yeah, yeah i'm a competitive guy <laughs> yeah you know i did i yeah. still do <laughs> <laughs> exactly so, i look at kid McElroy and go you got ten thousand, brother damn yeah
1: it's it's you know what you should be doing but it's yeah. hard to get yourself in that mindset where it's like okay come on celebrate the small stuff along yeah the way.
0: exactly i gotcha
1: <laughs> yeah yep um Did you, so I remember from the book, you guys in 2009 or 10, when you started raising money, Mm -hmm. because you guys had kind of like run out um, to just be able to buy everything. I mean, land grab. Did you guys after that point start investing your own money again? Or was it like at that point you would kind of steamrolled a lot of capital and were able to use that?
0: Um, So from 2010 to 2012, we, we basically were re- constantly recycling about a hundred grand of our own money. Okay. We didn't have to, we kept it just rolling. Cause what would happen is we'd buy one with our cash, right. For 40 grand. I mean, we bought 25 properties right around 40 grand each. So we would buy it. We would polish it up. We'd go re- we go refi it with private money. We were paying 10%. We yeah. would get hundred percent of our, so we were doing burr before burr was a thing. Right, right. And I wrote about this on Bigger Pockets, and I'm sure Brandon Turner freaking stole my idea, but whatever. <laughs> so we would buy it for 40 grand. We'd spend 10, we'd go refi it for 50, get all our money back. And, oh, by the way, we'd have a 300 month, 350, $400 month cash flow, paying 10% interest with a 10 year note. And then we just kept that going. And, and we kept two or three going all at one time. Uh, so we, we, I mean, we left a couple of dollars in projects when it, you know, just rounding errors, just because we wanted to have an easy payment. Um, but yeah, no, we didn't, we haven't used meaningful capital of our own in probably since 2010, we've done a couple of cash buys recently that we're deciding to keep, but that's on purpose. So we may refi those later. We haven't decided, but yeah, you, you get to a point where, yeah, you get to a point, you get a reputation, you're doing great deals, not only good deals. Um, you don't have to use your cash.
1: Uh, Yeah yeah um a great spot to be in i'm very jealous (laughs) it'll come um apologies if you hear my dog in the background he he hears anything outside and it's just like he loses his mind
0: no don't even hear him you're good
1: um what else did i want to ask you did you did you do burr style projects with multifamily or was it primarily single family
0: um No, we were, we were pretty myopically focused on single family, not even residential, just single family. So no, I think we did buy like, well, I guess we bought one, two, three, four. We bought four duplexes, one triplex. I don't think we bought a fourplex during the crash, but mainly single family. We were just, it was like, I mean, literally there were gold bricks lying out on the ground and we would just go by, we'll take the yellow one and the blue one. It
1: was amazing. You know, what's funny about, about that is every investor you talk to now is like, oh man, if it was 2008 again, I would be killing it. And I can almost guarantee a, a, the people wouldn't, most people wouldn't have the money or the resources to do it or B, they'd be too scared to even make a move.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's remind people about 2010. Cause that was the, our most active year. We must've done 20 or so. Uh, I'm, I should go back and count how many purchases we did. It's a, it's gotta be close to 20. But um, there was nobody. I mean, I I was literally like the only buyer on probably more than half the things we got. And again, folks, like I wrote in the book, everything I bought was on the MLS. Everything was publicly available. There was no courthouse steps, no mailers, no texting, no cold calling. It was some agent somewhere said, must sell. Bank will take any offer. And I didn't have to do first day listings. It's because all of you were scared and you're so right. I mean, just think about 2010. I mean, Bear Stearns goes out, you know, prices are falling 5% a month. You know, there are three, four sale signs or foreclosures on every street. It was horrible. But anytime, the the reason we were able to execute is because of that spreadsheet that you're now doing in the course. Because Mm -hmm. I'd have that spreadsheet and I had years of data. And I'm like, we are buying for land value and there's a freaking house there. Yes. It's dirty. Yes. It's got some, you know, trash in it. Yes. The windows are broken, but it's there. It's got a roof and walls and a door. Um, Yeah. We, I mean, we couldn't go wrong. And Oh, by the way, we didn't know how low it was going to go. Cause I think the first house we bought at a deep discount was like at 80 or 85 grand. And they kept going. The cheapest house we bought was 22 grand. We bought a house for 22 grand. Right? Really? So we were buying the whole way down. We had no idea. And then suddenly out of nowhere, the stupid hedge funds come, sop up all the inventory. Like one Monday, I, I, every Monday, that was, it was like a race. Every Monday you'd come in at like eight o'clock or 8.30. I think they loaded at eight. So they'd show up at like 8.30. And it was like buffet time. Which one do we want, honey? We'd write 10 offers, get five, buy three. And there was none. I'm like, holy shit, what happened? Right, Data load problem, data's corrupt, right? I'm a tech guy. I'm like, oh, the data's bad. I'll, I'll check tomorrow. Where are they? <laughs> But like Friday, I'm calling my agents. Going, yeah, we had the data, but uh, you know, some Wall Street hedge fund came in and bought the entire file sight unseen, at asking. I'm like, he bought it asking. I've been buying twenty percent below at below asking for a year now. What is he thinking? They got a lot of money. I'm like, I bet they do. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, that's the other thing. I
1: wonder. Uh, I wonder if we see anything like that, just given how much money there is now like waiting for things like that. It almost creates this, uh, this is a tangent, but like, does it create like a price floor? You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely
0: does. I can guarantee you one of the things, if we saw a 10% drop in most markets, Wall Street's already, I mean, they're already public about it. They're talking about their REITs. They have hundreds of billions of dollars lined up for the next, like Phoenix can't crash. I think Phoenix is a hot, crazy market. It's overpriced, but it drops 10%, boom. Uh, American homes or whatever it is, comes in, puts a floor. Anything in Texas, floor, I mean, there's going to be a couple of spots that are problems. Like I really do think San Francisco, like the city of San Francisco is going to be in for some just murder price drops because it was unaffordable to begin with. It's unfriendly. I mean, there's it's got its unique right. combination. And oh, by the way, hedge funds aren't going to come by rentals in San Francisco because they don't want the left just beating the shit out of them for <laughs> the other things. Right. So they're not going to go there. Right. So yeah, um, I think there's no chance. Yes, there is absolutely. Wall Street money will come in again. Again, they're borrowing for nothing. They get right. money for less than a point. They don't right. have to earn a lot. And that's the other thing I get is, hey, what happens if the hedge funds sell? Right? Because you know they, they own tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of homes. right, Folks, they aren't going to sell. They may sell onesie, twosie, odds and ends, but they're not going to wholesale sell. Why? Because they've already got their money out. They bought these for rough and tough 100 grand They've already raised or went IPO or did a REIT and got 160 grand back. So they've already got their re- they've already got their capital and their return back, and it's still producing income inside a REIT. They are not getting rid of those properties, folks. To think that the the hedge funds are going to suddenly become big liquidators is a joke.
1: It's like a, it's like an institutional burr.
0: It is. There's no chance they're gonna sell. Yeah. There's just no chance. I mean, they'll do onesie twosie sells here and there right, for right. this or that reason. Sure. But they are not going to hold, because they they'll fundamentally change a market, right? They liquidate right. everything they have in Phoenix. I mean, shit, Phoenix would be a toast.
1: Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, a question for you uh, about using agents. So, yep. out of state, I feel like I rely so heavily on an, an agent relationship to kind of be my eyes and ears. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people, though, like you'll meet a lot of agents and start working with tons of agents. Did you guys have like one go to agent or did you just kind of meet a lot of people?
0: Uh, So, sort of two answers there. The first four or five years, we basically had one agent. Okay. Um, You know, because again, we would buy one every six months, one every seven months. And again, we were still, I was still trying to figure it out. I was still, I was still three or four years into my daily reviews, right? Um, but, but realize at, at about year five, I still kept that primary agent. She's still in my Rolodex. Her name's Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Um, she watches my channel too sometimes. See, see if she says anything on this video. Um, <laughs> but I have, I have 100 agents now. Uh, and what I've really found is my job when meeting a new agent is to say, hi, my name's Michael Zuber. I look to buy A, B, and C in these three areas. If you ever find something, call me. Because what I want to build is deal flow. The thing that that 2020 has proven to me is deal flow is important. And it's not how many people Emil knows in St. Louis. It's how many people in St. Louis know Emil. But more importantly, how many people in St. Louis know what Emil is looking for? Mm -hmm. Because the deals I've done this year were people I met years ago that suddenly knew my reputation, knew that I would close if I said yes. They never saw the MLS. I haven't bought anything out of the MLS all year. I made 250 offers, but nothing, not, not even really a counter to speak of, because the market's just freaking nutty. Right. Um, so what I would tell you to do is, yes, it's okay to have your favorites, but you should do your you should do yourself a service and meet more. Uh, but but the key there is not to meet them, but it's to communicate what you're looking for. Right. Like I'm looking for tri- <laughs> residential triplexes or fourplexes in these areas. If you ever have right. one, call me for these kind of numbers. Yeah. And I will, anybody who brings me a deal gets paid, right? You bring yep. a deal, you get paid.
1: Yep. Um, I get, I've, I've just always like grappled with how do I, you know, again, they're my eyes and ears on the ground, right? You know, I have a property manager and stuff, but like, I don't know, some, they sometimes don't feel like that, the right person for this. No, you know I would, I mean?
0: yeah, out of state investing, let's have this conversation. The, and this might be where your dad thinks you're nutty to go back to the opening, right because because again, I'm not a, I mean I'm an out of area investor, but right. but for me, it's kind of the same thing, right. You can get on an airplane and get lots of places in two and a half hours. My market's right. two and a half hours away. Right. What I've always wanted is I want boots on the ground that'll show up at my funeral
1: hmm.
0: right? Because I want somebody to tell me bad news. Your property managers may technically tell you the truth, but it will be the most sunshine unicorn rainbows of the bad news possible. You may not think it's an emergency where if one of your buddies from college or your sister's husband or, or ex-husband or whatever, they're going to say, dude, there's a hole in your roof, the size of a, a baseball or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. People that you pay, like your property managers, they're incented to keep you feeding the thing and they don't want to tell you bad news. Right. So yes, you. the only way to make out-of-state investing work is to have boots on the ground, not getting a little sliver of your money every month. That's paramount. So if you're using agents for that, more power to you. Yeah. The
1: agent is a tricky one too, though, because they're incentivized to get you in a home. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's the next one, right? So they're yeah. so they're at least incentivized by the next check, not the right. current check.
1: That's true. If um, they want to keep you around for a while, they know they shouldn't just...
0: Yeah, but I mean, for- uh, once you get to a point where you have... Um, scale in a city right now, you might be a little too spread out. Yeah, I would pay. I would pay somebody 100 bucks, 150 bucks a month to go take the same picture, you know, every Friday or you know every other Friday, just to see, right? Something you, you've. It's I. I think the biggest risk of out of state investing is the people you pay to take care of you want to tell you the nicest way possible, and frankly good bad news doesn't get better with time it just doesn't
1: right it's funny because it's like if my property manager actually told me the truth i would trust them more than them painting a rosy picture but you're right you're right it's absolutely true they have a lot of doors you know what i mean like they're not Mm going to give everybody special attention so Yep. um all right that's that's helpful um how do you I kind of got this in the course, but I'd love to just ask you directly, how do you, when you're evaluating a market and you're, you're looking at different zip codes, right? How do you say, these are the ones that I like, and I'm going to focus on how do you balance like yield and risk and yeah. all that stuff?
0: So for me, the first thing I did is I had what I called the the non-starter and, and this was really in the book. And for me, that was what I, would I feel comfortable with Olivia driving her, Mercedes to the house, getting out of the house, going in our rental by herself and then coming back out, right? If the answer is no, because I think she's going to get jacked or panhandled or, you know, you know, whatever, then I'm not buying there regardless of the yield. I don't care if the yield's a thousand percent. I am not putting my money in an environment like that because who knows, you know, I could drop dead of a heart attack in a heartbeat and then she's going to have all these rentals and, you know, it's just not okay. So that's the first thing, right? There's a hard line in the sand of where I will never go. In yeah. In my market of Fresno, when I started investing there, that was probably, I don't know, I'm going to guess, probably a third of the market was like, nope, Fresno's improved, right? Uh, cities, counties, they improve over time. Probably only five, maybe 8% of Fresno is kind of a non-starter today. And that was kind of the biggest eye-opener for me when I left work in 18, because I had so written off a couple of zip codes. Like I'm not going there just because it's been history. But
1: right. now that
0: I had time, I wouldn't checked them out. One of them was awesome. I'm like, damn, this is like been gentrification. Where have I been? <laughs> so you got to keep looking. But so that was the right. first thing, hard line in the sand. Uh, and then the second is um, as I'm buying, I only buy the best yield, but then I have history. Like how long did it take to rent? Did I see higher turnover? Right. Cause what I want, what I want for my houses is eight years. I want eight years. If you, if I suddenly get a house and, you know, they stayed there, you know, two years and two and a half, I'm like, well, either a, the neighborhood's too nice and they become like, that's a, that's a, a stopgap before their owners, which happens, right? I own some stuff in old fig garden and that's a pretty nice area in Fresno. And it's like, that's where the white collar go is they save money to buy their house. And I don't want that because it's, it's older houses. It's a lot to make up or. Um, it's a, it's a busy street or stuff goes on on the weekends that I didn't know or uh, all of that. So I, I watch, I just watch actuals uh, after that. And um, then I check rents, right? Am I a house today, man, if a house is listed for more than two days, something's wrong. I mean, it's house, houses are on fire today as rentals. Um, sometimes it's two weeks, um, but today it's like 48 hours. I mean, that's crazy. So I just yeah. take actuals, but yeah
1: yeah i uh i see very similar in my market for anything that's like the cream of the crop it's it's usually gone same day yeah even if it's not cream of crop it's it's gone in a day or two it's yeah anything that's B, B, even b
0: minus it's just nuts today
1: yeah um i'm actually uh it's it's probably my last question are you are you so good on time right now
0: absolutely this is for you yep
1: okay thank you um I'm excited for, you know, we all have our CapEx and repair and maintenance and vacancy, like things we kind of pull out of our ass. And I feel like after what, five, 10 years, you probably, and you've been in a market. You're like, I know what my vacancy is. I know what my CapEx, R&M, all that stuff. How, uh, how close were you in the beginning?
0: Like when you kind of did your pro formas and stuff? (laughs) Um, Not close. Uh, and a lot of that was because I was doing the make readies wrong. And this is what I tried to put in the course. Yeah. In the beginning I did band-aids. I did cheapest possible. Okay. And band-aids don't last when they're beat on by tenants. Mm-hmm. So you find that you're constantly band-aiding or double band-aiding. Give That's example. why, Like um, like a like a, a leak at the tub. Right? Or a shower pan. Yep. Or you know a a, t- a a cracked tile in the kitchen those could be bigger problems like the person could have installed the tile wrong and when you replace that one this one over here is going to break and mm. leaks in the bathroom right there's never only one it's just the first one you found um yeah it's it's just those kinds of things well tenants are hard on properties right just usually more of them and it's not theirs and they they beat them up pretty good right. so i would tell you in the beginning i tried to get cheap i tried to band aid them so that's why i do in the course now is the the like it's closing, it's down payment, closing cost, and make ready. I want, I, I whatever it takes to bring that property up to fully dialed in. I want that in the spreadsheet because that's part of my cash. And then what I expect is I don't expect a lot of maintenance for years, so I'm putting away five percent. And so far, that's been that mindset shift. That hey, instead of spending twenty two hundred, go spend six. it mm-hmm. Has been a lifesaver because twenty two hundred now, and then it's eighteen hundred then, and it's and it's never, I mean, I remember one time I band-aided a bathroom together and suddenly on Thanksgiving or Christmas, it was some last holiday, the freaking tub sank, you know, two inches and the subfloor gave out. Yeah, I mean it's just it's crazy things like that. So um yeah. I again I think a lot of investors do it, and I'm happy to admit I tried to band-aid things because I I tried to make my numbers look good. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna own these rentals for decades, swallow hard the first time. Um, which means for me now it means um uh LVT a linoleum or whatever that's called that fake wood floors. The vinyl plank. Yeah, vinyl plank. Uh everywhere except bedrooms because I think bedrooms people still want um carpet carpet and yeah. it, you can remnants are cheap, right? You slam them in. Granite instead of formica, never use a formica top again.
1: Is that the like, is that the uh, like wood with the like laminate on top? Yeah.
0: Never use those again. Those, uh, the first time they get wet, they bubble up. It's terrible. Mm. Uh, They usually don't last more than one tenant and they're only like a hundred or 200 bucks cheaper than granite. Granite's so cheap today. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's just, and then, you know, for me, it's, it's generally the bathrooms are the issues generally it's about them the kitchens usually usually these old cabinets you just scrape and paint they look great i mean it's real wood right back in the day they were real wood worst case you change the handles uh but bathrooms are the one that i think most people cheat cheat on cheap out on um yeah i mean change the toilet dude i mean come on not just the toilet seat come on is that why it's
1: probably, I think you, you, you mentioned this in your course,
0: those ones that kind
1: of look ready and you just need to do a little bit. It's like, should you either be buying this thing is ready? It's good to go. It's been recently updated or it's basically like, it just needs a lot of things replaced. Cause you're going to have to do that in the, in the kind of bandaid one anyway. Yeah.
0: Those are B's. I talk about A, B's and C's A's are turnkey dialed in. Don't need to touch it. Maybe even already rented, right? Think turnkey. That's an yeah. A
1: yeah. C
0: is okay. Got to get the kitchen. Got to get the bathroom. Start from scratch. I mean, all of these could work. It's the bees that get people in trouble Mm. because you and I could look at a bee, the the same bee. I'm going to go, shit, I need to spend 12 grand or eight grand or six. You're going to look at it. Oh man, just needs a maid to come through and spend 200 bucks. Right. That's, that's where the bees are. And what I think investors need to do is they need to hold themselves accountable. Do you want to be a possible slumlord? Okay, great. Well then just clean the place and don't change the toilet seat ever. Right where I'm gonna come in and go, okay, toilet's gotta go, it's 350 or 400 bucks. Um, Probably should take out the peeling, stick them tiles in the bathroom and just lay down some tile for the first time. And okay, instead of caulking the bathroom, we're gonna put in a new fiberglass surround and just call it a day, right? So that's, it's the B's that get people in trouble. And that's why I want people to go through the course and document A, B or C, A, B or C, because it is that simple. A is turnkey dial in, don't touch it. C is gut everything, B is in the middle. And you just got to be com- comfortable with who you are. Are you, are you just the uh, cleaner, or are you uh, the guy that's going to come in and change the 1970s yellow tile and put in some some white tile or something else? It's it's kind of funny what I see.
1: Yeah. Probably hung around the B section on a couple, which I'm now like, hmm, you got a good point. It's it's almost like. If you just get, you're going to have to replace those things soon anyway. So you might as well just pay way less and get something that you're going to have to like gut.
0: Yeah, just just run the numbers. Sometimes I'm not trying to say bees are bad and I don't want you to think bees are bad, but just Mm. buy them under the right conditions where they produce the best return. I usually don't buy bees at asking because I write down, oh, by the way, Mr. Owner, I will be changing this and this and this and this. Uh, We got to split the cost with me. Right. You got to, you know, I'm going to spend six. You got to take it off three. Now, that's hard to do in a market where there's no inventory. That's probably why I haven't bought a lot this year. But trust me, when inventory shows up in 2021, like I think it will, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have my picks and I'll buy a lot of bees. You just have to buy them right. So a bee is the highest return. Got it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with buying bees. Don't beat yourself up. Just buy them with purpose.
1: Yeah. Do you ever eh, looking at like a zip code? Do you ever say well, this one has a great yield for this area and it's being revitalized a lot better and say okay it may not yield like never never
0: i never use anything that's not the spreadsheets not included is is the path of progress is a big uh new housing development i i don't care i've seen lots of things blow up over the years and i do not want to count appreciation at all yes it happens yes gentrification happens yes path of progress happens Yes, 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 but I am not counting it at all because I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, fair. Uh, it's always it's always just like those areas where you're like, uh, is this is this C minus? Is this C plus? Like, am I comfortable investing in this area? Like, like you said, the kind of line in the sand. That's yeah. where it's uh, it's tough. I tell you what, you the
0: know, you are soon as a C minus C plus. Go there ten o'clock at night on Saturday, and you'll, you'll see the difference. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah you're right that is that's the way to tell yeah it's real um, easy
0: <laughs>
1: that that's all i had thank you so much this is so helpful I've, I've had all these questions kind of bouncing in my head for a while so well, well thank you for you reaching out I, I,
0: if you have them i know others will uh you're a student of mine so i have plenty of time for you so if you ever have more let me let me know and you read the book so did you go to amazon and write your five-star review yet i did i did years ago when i bought nice. the book so okay cool i just wanted to make sure i ask everybody i talk to has read the book all right, Emil, Absolutely. thank you very much. Congratulations on six. Actually, I got to go back to that. Tell us about the triplex.
1: So the, all right, the triplex we just closed on is in St. Louis. Uh, what are the details that would be helpful? I'd love to know to purchase price,
0: in? rent, so I could do my own calculation. Is it an A, yep. B, or C? You know, those kinds of things. Sure.
1: Sure. So it was listed at 185 and we bought it for 173,500.
0: Wow, so about 7% off, okay.
1: And then the current rents are at uh 18, let me pull it up. 18, where are you spreadsheet? 1875. Okay.
0: So 625 a unit, assuming they're all the same.
1: Yeah, and um but w- the this three unit one of them is like a townhouse style so this was a oh, okay. I'd love to I love for you to just assess this one this was a four unit that one side was turned into one unit so it's like a townhouse style okay so they used to all be one bed one bath and this one side is now a three bed two bath or one okay. and a half bath and so in this area this one is like severely under under market for that size of unit Okay. So that was the exciting thing for me on this one. The other two are under market as well. Okay. So I think so. Right now it's renting for eighteen seventy-five. I think this thing should be going for at least twenty-two hundred.
0: Okay. So what I would be asking myself in this situation is, I don't know St. Louis at all, so some of these questions could be totally stupid. Uh, first off, I would ask, is there is there a rent control or anything like that in St. Louis? Okay. No. I didn't know. California does. Yeah. Uh, So the other thing I would wonder is, uh, A, are the tenants paying? Tenants are paying, yep. Are they Section 8 or cash tenants? Cash tenants. Okay. So I I guess the first thing I would go in is, um, so have you been inside these units or someone you trust been inside them?
1: Yeah, someone I trust sent me videos. And we obviously did full inspections on everything. What
0: kind of health and safety or just basic like immediate investment do each need? The only Definitely. one that,
1: yeah, the only one. So we found a, um, the sewer line. What is that metal called? Galvan, not galvanized. Uh, yeah, whatever the pipe. Okay. Yeah. It, it had a, a break in the top and the bottom when they scoped the line. So we okay. got credits from the seller to ah. cover that. Okay. So that was part of, uh, getting the price down to where okay. it is. So, so that we have to take care of, but mm-hmm. it was credited at, at closing. The there is and this is where I'm a little concerned. There is a leak on the second floor leading into the roof on the first floor on that townhouse style. Oh, yeah. And the inspector said it's it's uh, the ring on the on the on the toilet on the second floor. So my property manager right now, I told him to since I'm paying water since multifamily install a low flow toilet, we're paying for water anyway. And let's see if that fixes the problem. So we're we're working through that one right now. That's the only immediate.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I would go in and do any health and safety immediately. Basically, where I'm going to getting at is the tenants need to so the new landlord's going to fix stuff. Yep. That's where I'm going with this. Okay. And then what I would do is I would I would probably wait till the till January. Don't hit anybody at Christmas. Just be nice. But then hit them with the rent increase and see who stays, see who goes.
1: Yeah. I so I'm I, I'm I'm gonna wait. Probably, well. Two of the tenants, their leases expire February, March, so I can't even start that process okay. anyway. But you know, it's it's ho- it's winter; it's not a good time to sure. rent, like find a new tenant anyway. People are going through a lot right now, so it's sure. this isn't an immediate. It's probably you know four to six months down the road once okay. I think things will get a lot better. Try to have a little bit of a heart in this, you know yeah, what I mean? We're all in business, no, that's but, great.
0: I'm glad you're saying that. That's good.
1: Um, but I don't know where I was going with that, but um. You know, we'll probably do it in like four to six months. And do you? Oh, do you recommend like the 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 townhouses? Probably two two fifty under market. Do you think it's even good to propose that in St. Louis? You can actually just give a thirty day notice to like yeah, once or month a month.
0: What I would probably do in a situation like this, or I would do in this, is I would I would take it a hundred bucks. Okay. Because what you're trying to figure out, because if you go right to two fifty, mm-hmm. they're probably going to leave. Right. Um, and then you have a turn and turns are ridiculously expensive.
1: They are. They're the killer.
0: Right. That's what kills landlords. So take it a hundred bucks. And if they move over a hundred, you've got your answer. Right. They they weren't going to be there long-term anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'd, I'd probably, if it's two fifty under, I would take it up a hundred bucks. And then if they agree, I'd, I'd offer a two year lease at, at that new rate that helps you, that helps them. Um, But that's, that's exactly what I would do come April say, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's, 700 today, it's going to be 800. Oh, by the way, it should be 950, but I'm only going to take it to 800. If you stay, also, I will give you a two year lease instead of a one year lease. And that way, if they sign, they feel good, you feel good, everybody wins. um, And you got an extra 1200 bucks a a year.
1: Yeah, I like that. I'm glad we did this. I got a good tip from it. There you go. Anything else? Anything else that would be helpful to maybe.
0: Uh, the out-of-state investing, dude. Like, I'm like your dad. It's, it just—it just feels like you're eventually going to get some. You got to have trusted boots on the ground.
1: Yeah. Um, sometimes it's funny. Like sometimes I'm like, ah, you boomer, come on, leave me alone. <laughs> and then other times I'm like, man, I—I I could see myself at at a certain point just being like, sell the whole thing once I've kind of built up enough to like, you know, soft retire as I as yeah. I call it to like be able to do what I want. And then just you know sell it and move it to California where it's close by and like you know where we are. So yeah. we'll we'll see what happens. But there you go. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do it long term, but for right now, uh, those yields, man, it's tough to.
0: I get it. I get it. Well, you're in. You're in SoCal. It's all good. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for being a member of the course in the book. Uh, you have a wonderful day. All right.
1: Thanks, Michael. You too. All right.